Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Strong Christian Female Podcast. I'm your host, Charity, and this is a community of women who want to be warriors for Jesus Christ. We are kicking off the desire to be comfortable and embracing a wholehearted abandonment to Him alone. Not through legalism, not through works, but through His grace and mercy. We're going to overcome the lies of this culture and replace them with the eternal truth of God's Word. So. Whether you're a student, a stay-at-home mom, a grandma, an entrepreneur, whether you're new to the walk of Christianity, or a veteran spiritual warrior, you are welcome here. Let's get started. Good morning, everybody, <laughs> or good afternoon. I don't know when anyone listens to this. So hi, how are you doing? Hopefully you're doing well. I am doing something a little unique in that I am talking about St. Patrick during Easter week. I know one holiday at a time, please lady, but I was gone during that week of St. Patrick's Day and I really wanted to record this because I think it's super important and here's why. Two reasons. Number one, I think it's very important to find heroes of faith within the faith that were normal people living extraordinary lives. Secondly, I love the story of St. Patrick because he was a slave who found freedom and chose to go back to the very people who enslaved him and tell them about the love of Jesus. There's no more profound, powerful story than that. And, and I guess if I could say, thirdly, thirdly, I would say that the Protestant church is not very good at acknowledging the people who in the Catholic, that the Catholic church acknowledges, even though once upon a time, we were all the Catholic church. Um, yes, there's been division since um, lots of different things happen throughout our history and church history is fascinating, interesting, and important. But I want to be, I want to be respectful to the fact that we who follow Jesus with our whole lives, no matter what label we put on ourselves, as far as a denomination or a church we go to, if we're truly following Jesus Christ, listening to the Holy Spirit, have a personal relationship with him, there are teams. We're all on the same team. It's not even us versus them. It's all of us versus the enemy. And this is a spiritual battle we're in. But also, I think what's very important is that we take time to know what the heck we're celebrating. So many of us have these traditions or cultural, religious holidays or this or that, and we honestly don't know much about them. We don't know what the 12 days of Christmas are for. We don't understand what Epiphany is. We have certainly have very little knowledge of the Jewish calendar. And, and I think that that's a shame. And it's something that I didn't grow up knowing, and I want my kids to know so it's valuable. This is super vast, but hopefully you'll find it interesting. First of all, Patrick wasn't named Patrick when he was born. In fact, his name always is a bit hard for me to say. So forgive me, I am I am not a, a student Latin. But Maelwin Suckett was actually his name. And his name came, of course, from his parents. He changed it as maybe legend or rumor had it to Patricius which is the Latin word that means father figure. And that happened when he did become a priest in the Catholic Church. That being said, we're going to call him Patrick. So when Patrick was born, he was of a family of, of more higher noble. 
you know, leadership. I wouldn't necessarily say they were noblemen, but they were definitely higher up. His father was a deacon. His grandfather had also been a leader in the church, but there wasn't necessarily any definitive evidence that his father was terribly religious, as they would say. Um, it, so it, it could have just been a religion of formality rather than a, a religion of relationship. Patrick is what we would call in modern times an atheist. They didn't call them that then, but he didn't really believe in God. He didn't really believe in anything. And he was 16 years old when one of the first things happened to him. Now, he was a family that was of Italian descent. They were Italians. This was still during the Roman Empire. It was around the time of the fall of the Roman Empire. But remember, the Roman Empire was much of, of Europe at this time. So although his family was actually Italian, they were living at a British estate. And lo and behold, here come some raiders, some pirates, some thieves, and they stole Patrick. They stole him and made him a slave in Ireland. They took him to Ireland and they made him a slave. And there he was for at least six years. And he was made a slave of one of the pagan kings there. And he watched his sheep. Now, there's a lot of correlation between him and David. He was a sheep watcher, but he was certainly not there by his own will. However, during this time, obviously, he had time to learn some of the language, the culture, the understandings. And he says that when he got there out of his desperation, he started praying to God. In his own writings, he says that he he prayed at least 100 times during the day and 100 times at night because shepherds probably don't get a lot of sleep. They're watching sheep at night. Again, he was there by force. He, he didn't live this happy-go-lucky Irish life, watching sheep and walking around being amazing. He, he was a slave. He was a slave. He didn't like his life. And out of his desperation, he did turn to the Lord. That being said, years go by and he's a slave. And there are stories that recount that he actually had several owners, but I don't have definitive information on that. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail, but he certainly learned their culture. He certainly learned the land. He certainly learned the weather. He learned the language and he learned their religion. And their religion was a pagan religion, multi, you know, lots of gods, lots of different festivals, lots of burnings, different things like that. So there were, there was a lot going on in, in his life. And one, he was desperate to leave. He, he didn't want to be a slave the rest of his life. Who would? You know, even if your life was good, if it was beyond your control, who would want that? So he wanted his freedom back. He wanted to go back home. And he prayed for God to set him free. And one night, according to his own writings, God woke him up with a dream. And in the dream, it told him exactly where to go, what paths to walk, and where to find a ship. And in the middle of the night, he walked miles and miles and miles through the exact path his dream told him to go, remember it was pitch dark there was no lights I, I doubt I doubt he even had a lantern I don't know what you have as a sheep herder but maybe a torch maybe nothing but he went in the pitch black of night you know shoeless through all these trails and there lo and behold he found the ship as the sun was dawning and it was about to leave and he asked to get on and they told him good now they clearly knew he was a slave. They didn't want the pagans mad at them. They certainly didn't want their ship attacked. They wanted to leave in peace. And they said, absolutely not. But Patrick said he prayed a desperate prayer to God. And for whatever reason, they let him on the ship. Short version of that story is he got home. He was now free. And he was at rest with that. And he did now believe in the Lord. And then time goes by. And he has another dream. And God says in the dream, there's a letter and it says that the Irish people need him, that Ireland needs him and he needs to go back and tell them about the love of Jesus. Now, many accounts I've read have basically said he was like, uh, not happening. 
No way. I was a slave there. I know. Uh, I know the culture. I know the religion. I know everything that goes on. But again, the short version of that is he spent 14 years becoming a priest in the in what was known then as the Catholic Church in the church. This is about the time they think he changed his name. So he's obviously older. Um, I, I believe he was around 40 when he went back. So many years had passed. And he goes back by choice to the place that enslaved him. So he goes back. He was not the first missionary there. That's that's legend. That's not true. There were other missionaries to Ireland, but he had significant success. My hunch is because he knew the culture, he knew the language, he knew the land. He knew, and some of them might have even known he had been a slave there, and he chose to come back to show them the love of Jesus. What a profound picture of Christ's love. Imagine someone who's being trafficked today in America. Now, now I realize they would live a potentially a, a more horrible life than Patrick did. So I'm not going tit for tat on that. But someone who's held against their will as a labor trafficked individual. Someone who's held against their will and lied to. And they have long 16-hour days. They don't get paid. They're, they're essentially slaves. Or what they get paid is so little they can barely eat. They're trapped in this life. They hate their life. God sets them free from this life. They go home. and God says, go back. Not only go back, but go back to the people that held you captive, that lied to you, that enslaved you. So here he is, he's back. Now, many people give Patrick the credit for using the shamrock, the three-leaf shamrock, to tell the people about the Trinity, how to explain God, Father, Holy Spirit to them. That's never been officially, you know, nobody knows for sure if that happened, but he is widely credited as doing that. And honestly, it seems pretty feasible. And what he is credited as doing without a shadow of a doubt is not only explaining to them who the real true king is, who Christ is, but defying the pagan rituals of the day and literally kind of coming face to face with a lot of the pagan kings and the pagan lords of that day in Ireland. And what he would do, one of the most one of the things he was most known for was the chieftains. So they were chiefs. You know, we would know them as kings or noblemen, but they were chiefs and, and they were druids. They were pagans and they, they had these druid priests. And Easter is not actually what we call the holy holiday, right? We call Sunday Resurrection Sunday. A lot of people call it Easter. We hunt eggs. But Easter is actually a pagan holiday. And he was there during that celebration. And he chose to use that holiday to basically tell them about Jesus Christ. So one of the things they would do on Easter morning was they would light this massive fire. The priests would light this fire and the chieftains would go around and they would you know, they would have these celebrations. Well, he decided he was going to light a fire, which was forbidden. And it was very much in the face of their pagan multiple gods, um, you know, sky, water, earth, everything's a god. Um, You know, it was in the face of their religious beliefs. And when they confronted him on them, uh, on this, he explained to them who Jesus was. And he lit the fire to represent the the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he tells them about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And his boldness is what started winning people to Jesus. And he explained to them that not only was, you know, even though he was in defiance of them and he had done these things, he was so bold for the Lord and he started winning converts. Now he'd already been winning converts, but he planted 
hundreds of churches in Ireland, hundreds. He converted people so well and so efficiently. And again, he knew the language. He knew the rituals. He knew what they believed. He knew them, you know, he knew inside and out what they believed. So he could combat it very easily with the truth because he knew the lies they'd been told. So he overcame their lies through his life, through his love, and through telling them through their own culture about Jesus Christ. There are many legends that have grown up about Patrick like snakes. Everybody rolls their eyes. They're like, well, it's not true because of snakes. And they kind of dismiss a lot of the miracles people would like to attribute to him. But what most people believe is that the snakes, even though they were never really part of Ireland, it's an island. If they were there, they were long gone after the Ice Age. But is the evil demons, the strongholds and principalities that were there. He was very familiar with them. Snakes can represent so many things. If you've ever gone into temples where there's a lot of Buddhas, they look like snakes. They have tongues and red eyes. They look more, far more like serpents than they do human beings. And so it is believed that that is basically an explanation and a legend based on what people said at the time, you know, hundreds of years ago in the 400s. And they were actually probably talking about demons and principalities that were absolutely ruling in Ireland at that time. And there's still some principalities in all countries everywhere, including Ireland, including the United States. But out of these myths and these legends, things have grown up to where people want to dismiss his life a little bit. And I, and I find that sad because here's a man taken captive who didn't believe in God, who came to know God as a slave. God woke him up, sent him home, and then sent him back. And he obeyed. He obeyed and he served Ireland till his death. And in that, thousands of people were converted to Christianity. He loved them. He didn't force them into that relationship. He showed God's love. There's even a story that I've read several times, and I, and I don't know for sure if it's in his writings or if it's just a story. But one of the most powerful stories that I've read, and again, this wasn't from some sort of, you know, legends of St. Patrick. This was actually a historical person writing. He went back to the chieftain that owned him with money. And he came, you know, dressed well, and he was older, and he came with money to buy himself back. He came back to pay for himself. Think about that. This man who stole you could have beaten you to a pulp. Who knows what was done to this kid? He came back with money to show honor to him and pay for his self, his own freedom, so that this chieftain would still be honored. And what did the chieftain do? Fall on his knees and cry and accept Jesus? Nope. He set his house on fire and threw himself in it because he would have no part of a slave treating him like an equal. Wow. That story to me is so profound on so many levels because it shows the demonic nature of the enemy. He's so prideful and so arrogant, and he wants us to do the same, that we can't even accept not only forgiveness, but honor from someone else that knows Jesus. The enemy wants us to live in pride to our death, and that's exactly what happened to this chieftain. It's both heartbreaking and baffling, but surely only a demonized person could do such a thing. There's just no way around it. 
Someone who follows a God that tells you that you are so superior to other people. How dare they? How dare they? So they literally commit suicide rather than accept the love of Jesus Christ. It's insanity. And yet look around us today. There's so many principalities and strongholds that are still on the earth. They didn't all just vaporize and leave. Oddly enough, the church is more willing to believe that there's evil in the world than they are to believe that the Holy Spirit can overcome it. We're living in this bizarre era, and yet St. Patrick's story is so evident that we have the power to overcome evil. We have this power through the Holy Spirit to overcome sin, death, and the evil that is destroying this world. He went back to what probably could have been considered one of the more evil places. Rome was also very corrupt, so don't get me wrong there. But this pagan society, this druid society that had such strange beliefs that they were willing to kill themselves, commit suicide rather than humble themselves. It was a backwards place. And yet he knew Jesus died for them on the cross as much as he did himself and anyone else. And he knew how to win their hearts by showing them love. And he was willing to sacrifice literally his life for them by giving up his wealth, giving up his nobility, giving up his freedom, and going back to the very place that had held him in bondage. And the fruit of that is that Ireland became what is known as a Christian nation. Yes, again, there were other missionaries. I don't want to dismiss their efforts too. But he was so profoundly impactful because of what he'd been through, what he'd experienced. If you've been through a tough life, a hard life, instead of looking at that as a woe is me victim thing, think about St. Patrick and think, what can God turn around for good? How can God use my life for good? How can he take what was done to me, what people did to me, how people talked to me, treated me, you know, and turn it around? Another thing about St. Patrick you need to realize is some people are going to call you a slave, a servant, a lesser than, a not as good, a not worthy person. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, no, I have called you to change your culture. I have called you to be mine. You are mine. You are of noble birth. And the world is telling you and labeling you as a nothing. But I have said you are noble. I have said you are worthy. And in being noble, You don't just get to sit around eating grapes all day, counting your money, please. You get to walk with my authority wherever you go and overcome the sin and death and destruction of the world. You need to understand that Patrick's story is so profound even today. What are people telling you you are? What are they telling you your worth is? What did someone in your life assign to you? And you know who you are in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know who you are in Jesus Christ, look up the promises of God in the word. There's hundreds of them. He calls you worthy. He calls you blessed. He calls you wanted. He says that you are a king or queen. You are his representative wherever you go. You have his authority wherever you go in Jesus's name. You are not worthless. You are certainly not a slave. You are not a lesser than. You are not a fill in the blank. You are what God has called you to be. And Patrick proved that. He proved not about his nobility from birth, but he did understand that. But he gave up his nobility and went back. He was a humble man, but he did now know his nobility in Jesus Christ. And you know what? People made fun of him. It's not like people didn't make fun of the guy. They thought he was nuts. They thought he was crazy. But his ministry lasted 29 years. 
He's known to have baptized over 120,000 Irishmen, and he planted over 300 churches. In addition to that, he also wrote, he wrote the Confession, which was basically what we would probably call an autobiography. And one of his famous poems is called The Breastplate. Christ be within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ inquired, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. You guys, look, we have so much we can learn from these heroes of the faith. And these holidays we celebrate, we've tainted this holiday. I mean, there's just no way around it. We've made it about drunkenness and shamrocks and leprechauns and gold and rainbows. We've made it about debauchery. And it's not about that at all. And neither is Ireland, by the way. Ireland is a beautiful place. I've always wanted to go there. I know people and I've met people from there. I've met people that have gone there and they just, they absolutely loved it. And they loved the people. And it would be humbling to know that someone from Ireland is listening to this, but you have a noble, beautiful heritage. And I just think it's so wonderful. And we need to remember that as we, we see how Christ took something that people had given up on and changed it through, for the, through a very unlikely person because of his obedience and his love for truth and his love for Jesus. So let's pray. God, thank you for all you do for us. Help us remember who you are. Help us remember who, oh, who others are called to be as well as us. Let us look back at these people and find inspiration, love, mercy, excitement, and even a challenge to how we live today. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for the true story of St. Patrick. It's better than the legend. Thank you that he certainly wasn't the only one, but that we, he is remembered. And because he's remembered, we can know him. And because of what he did, we can feel inspired that in a modern era of pagan worship and evil and demonization and principalities and just craziness, that your truth still changes hearts. Help us remember that wherever we go. And even when people make fun of us and they think we're nuts, we still speak the truth because we know you better than anything else in this world. And we stand faithful to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys remember that this world will clamor for your attention. Everything in this world will be loud and obnoxious. Everything is clamoring for your attention, except the Lord. Now he wants your attention and he's always there, but he is still and he is small. And he will find you when you're quiet, when you're desperate. But he is always there. But we have to turn out the noise. We have to maybe even pretend we're like that shepherd on a hill, just quiet and alone. And that's where God usually finds us. So find time to be alone this week with the Lord and to really just be patient enough to know that he's there, but he's not going to make a show of it necessarily. He's going to wait for you to be willing to be with him. And then that's where we'll find him. Have a great week, you guys. See you soon.